and uh, came to the revelation that there's a reason why I pastor and don't evangelize. But I do feel this morning, I, I've told my wife and I've been talking to Bishop and the Lord put something on my heart that I wanted to minister to this church about. Um, that I feel like we need to take extreme serious, um, sobering, that with I feel like in the spiritual with things that are about to take place in this world that we need to grasp a hold of. Hear me. I'm not going to sit up here. I'm not a ringing my own bell kind of guy, but we did try to wake us up before COVID and, and, and during COVID. And I feel like what's about to take place here, we better catch what I'm about to talk about today, get a hold of and, and make it be impactful in our lives. Amen. Romans, the 12th chapter. I want to say as you're turning there that I am extremely thankful for your gratitude and thoughtfulness and generosity towards uh, my daughter and Daniel and their bridal shower, wedding shower, however you want to call it. I think he's been as excited as she has been, if not more. And uh, you all outdid yourselves. Thank you for showing love to my children. Um, they get kind of lost sometimes. Being a pastor's kid, it's very easy to get lost in, in, in everything. And uh, you have shown them once again how much you care for our family. And it has not gone unnoticed. And so on behalf of my bride and I, I say thank you. Thank you very, very much. Okay. The word. Romans 12th chapter, verse number one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you, everybody say me, present my body. I'm not going to take away or add to the word, but he's talking, we need to make it personal. My body, a living sacrifice, needs to be holy. It needs to be acceptable unto God. I cannot bring myself as I want myself to be, it must be God's quality standard. That is not asking too much of me. The Bible says it is my reasonable service. And be not conformed, changed, transformed, looking like, acting like, talking like, living like the world. But be transformed, changed by your mind first. Changing your mind, renewing your mind. And I got to thinking, how do, what, what am I renew, renewing it to where you were as a child? A child does not think evil thoughts. A child does not know. He just thinks of good things. I was reminded of this yesterday. I won't get into it, but seeing a little kid play, the, the innocence in it, just an amazing thing. That you can prove, going back to the verse number one, that you can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk to you this morning. Again, I want you to get this. I hope that I can bring this forward. God, I need your help. God meets men at an altar. God meets men at an altar. 
Father, we need you this morning. We need you to help your servant. We need us to open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you the word today, of course. But Lord, let this be a a time and a service and a Sunday and a time that we are here that changes us, helps us to renew our mind and present ourselves and let it be a beginning. Let us receive this today, God. There are people today who need miracles. They need healings. They need deliverance. Whatever it is that they come through those doors with, they put on a garment of praise to worship you today, God. Help us to receive these miracles and see these things take place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before you're seated, please, just, just give God some good praise. Can we? However you got to do it. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We lift you up today, God. Oh, oh, God, we need you today. How we need you today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing for so very long. You may be seated. Wonderful, wonderful people. God has a plan. And he never deviates from the original revelation of his plan to men. He has enlarged it. He's expanded it. But he has never deviated from the plan. And very early on in the account of men, as far back as we can see, altars are referenced and mentioned. Although in Genesis chapter 4, an altar is not specifically mentioned, we do know that Abel made an acceptable sacrifice of the first fruits of the flocks. By there, we can just take maybe for granted that he knew how to build an altar. But from this account of Abel, we can see that God clearly meets men at an altar. The altar surfaces again in the life of Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And although very minimal information is given about the altar, God eventually expands on the revelation of an altar when dealing with Moses. In Exodus chapter 20, exact instructions are given on how an altar should be constructed and it is placed at the forefront of corporate worship experience. The original revelation continues throughout Scripture and altars are mentioned 370 different times. The message is abundantly clear in Scripture and we're not going to take the time to go through each altar in Scripture, but it's clear that God definitely meets men at an altar. Multiple times, if you study out the scripture of altar, you will find the terminology, and there he built an altar. And from that, great things took place. And when I mean great things, I mean God things and encounters, because God meets men at an altar. None of this should be new to us. Hope that it's not foreign to us. Paul beseeches and he urges and he pleads and begs us to live a life that's altered. A life that is found in an altar. 
it would be much, much easier and much more simplified and just, just more down kindergartenish, if I could even say, if he had simply called us to just have a visitation at an altar. Bleep, 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 bleep. Hello, yeah, I'd like to make a, a, a reservation. Uh, well, before, I need to have a little bit of time at the altar. That's not what he told us to do. Come on. He said we are to present our body, what? A living sacrifice. He never told us to get off of the altar. He said for us to go to the altar and to stay at an altar. That should not be foreign to us. Come on. It had been nice if Paul would have said it's okay just to have your time at an altar on a Sunday or at a camp meeting or at a youth event. But Paul said, you need to have a time at an altar where you just give your whole self and never leave the altar. Now, if you're new here today, let me explain something. These are not just steps to get up on the platform. This whole area in the front we call our altar area. Basically, it's just a place where we come and we repent and we pray and we give to God and we cry. You've seen us worship down here today. But an altar that I'm talking about today is not just a physical altar made of wood and carpet. It's not just one that is in a building that we access maybe once, maybe twice a week, although we should still come to the altar. But he was talking about a lifestyle that is chained to an altar. A lifestyle that does not leave the altar. A lifestyle that still is on the altar when I go on vacation. When I go to the job. I don't live a different lifestyle when I'm at home or with the boys or with the ladies. But a lifestyle that is presented to God and wholly unacceptable in each and every facet of my life. I don't walk through the doors and be one person and then leave and become another because when I came to God and I had an axe experience with him, my life was forever changed. And that doesn't just change and just... That's the way it is all the time now because I don't want to go back to what I used to be because what I found at an altar changed my life. I wish I had a Holy Ghost person in the house today that could testify that when I tasted and seen at the altar, I don't want to go back to what I used to be. It's a lifestyle change. It's a mindset change. It's the way that I walk and talk. When I left that altar, if my life has got to be seen holy and acceptable, because of what I found at an altar. What I found at an altar was more than just some tears that I left and, and more fears that I left behind. It was more than just some anxiety that I laid down and more than some wants that I put aside. But my life at an altar was forever changed for the good of my life. And when I got up, I left those things there. But I did not go back to what I used to be. I didn't grab a hold of the things that I left there and put them in a bag and pick them up the one other day of the week. But I left them there and my life was forever changed because of my time with God. It's a way of living. 
It's a way of living. I live in an altered state. It's a way of living. I live at my car. I live at my house. I live at work. Constantly laying my life down at the feet of Jesus. Don't be getting masculine on me and saying, no man's going to tell me what to do. Well, you can be tough now, but the Bible says that sooner or later you're going to bow. You can do it here or you can do it there. Doing it here, you got a choice. Doing it there, you don't have a choice. And I'd rather live my life for God now, knowing where I'm going and what I'm doing once I get there, than acting like somebody might think that I'm more sissified because I shout a little bit at church or I don't do the things that I used to do. Sorry, I don't want the beer or the wine. I lay that stuff aside that I can live my life for God. You can call me what you want to, but truth of the matter is what it is is I had an altar experience. It has changed me and I want God to see a change in me. When I come to an altar, I'm dying of self. It's no longer what I want. It's no longer my will. It's no longer my desires. When I came to an altar, I came by his will. I came by his design. I came by what he wanted. And when I got up, nothing changed. It's still his way. It's still his desire. Because daddy knows best. <laughs> we pray that prayer, an offering. Somebody called me this week and say, Pastor, you wouldn't believe, but it's just God made a way for us to make our last house payment. Now our house is paid off. I'm a little bit jelly about that, but that's okay. I'm praising God with them. I love miracles such of that matter. Daddy knows best. You want to know how you get blessed? You live for God. You live his way, daddy don't have a problem in giving you things. Some of y'all don't know that. That's the truth. It is. Now, it ain't all about blessings. If I get the spirit of the Holy Ghost within me, speaking in other tongues, baptized, my whole life changed, that's a good thing that I can live with the rest of my life. But God does not bless those who do not have an altered life. I got to have a life that's altered, that's chained, that's kept there, not by my own will, but by God's will. Truth of the matter is, I've never met anybody who's ever tasted of an altar, a real altar experience, that's ever wanted to leave it. People who want to leave are those that have never tasted of the real experience of an altar. What are you talking about, Pastor? I've come down there and I've cried and I've whimpered and I've snotted and I've slobbered and I've done all this. That doesn't mean it's a real altar experience. A real altar experience is when you leave your heart and yourself at an altar. And you get up and say, God, what do you want me to do? That'll be what helps you to live through the good times and the bad times. You show me somebody that's had an experience at an altar and you let them have a life 
rattling experience, and I'll show you folks that'll still be able to get up and say, God's just good. He's just good. Let it be a lost loved one. They can get up and say, God is still good. Let it be a bad report from the doctor, and they can come on, somebody, and get up and say, God's still good. Come on. Some of y'all that have gone through some issues in life just here recently can shout hallelujah. Why? Because you've been connected to an altar that's changed you, and no matter what was said, God is still good. That don't happen except you are connected to an altar. And you can't have an altar experience off of somebody else. Can't. You got to have your own altar that you build for yourself. Lot never had an altar. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Abraham's nephew, Lot, Aaron's boy, never had his own altar. He always went off of Uncle Abe's altar. Got himself in some trouble because he didn't have an altar experience. Me and Bishop was talking about this this week. You know, everybody wants to preach and talk about, you know, Lot got himself in trouble when he pitched his tent towards Sodom. It happened way before that. Because he never had an altar, he never had an experience with God. He never had that one-on-one with God. It was always the, 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 the residue left over from Abraham's altar and, and Abraham's blessings. But when he started to turn around from the altar, he began to look at the things of the world, Sodom and Gomorrah. Because, here, here now, I'm going to get biblical with you, because when it came time for the separation, there was no, well, let me pray and think about where I should go. As soon as the separation, well, I want to go towards Sodom. Because I've been looking and knowing and yearning for the greener pastures that I see there. His heart was not connected to an altar. His heart was connected to the world, but he was playing church around Uncle Abe's altar. And the issue today that I want to tell the church is it's time for us to stop playing church and get connected to our own altars. Come on. I ain't playing with you now. You've been bouncing around here and there, acting like you're everything about apostolic Pentecostal power, but you don't have it because you've never been connected to an altar. You can dress the part, act the part, know when to clap, know when to talk, know when to do this or that, but you're not connected to an altar. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time that you connect to your own altar and let yourself have a meeting with you and God. Lot got himself in trouble. When he never built his own altar. Lot got himself in trouble when he began to yearn for things. Oh, look what they've got. Oh, look what they have. Oh, they've got all this and they've got all that. And they don't have to put up with all of this this stuff. And he got himself in trouble. Because he started connecting with the world. Before he ever started connecting with an altar. 
I'm going to step on some toes this morning. And I may not be talking about you, but I'm just going to throw a scatter gun. Is that okay? We wonder why our kids don't live for God. It's because we try to build them an altar. We don't build them an altar. We build our own altar and pray. We sacrifice for them. But they've got to build their own altar. And we can be so busy building our own altar and living our own life that we ever forget to take the time out to show them and teach them and let them learn to build their own altars and have their own, their own experience and their own time in their own place. Come on, I'm preaching to y'all this morning about them having their own altars. They ain't always perfect. They might be crooked. They might not be level. They might not just be right, but you let them get it right by continually practice by coming to an altar. Well, we've got to go somewhere. No, you don't on Sunday. You don't got to go anywhere. They need to have time to build their own altar. Well, that felt like a lead balloon. They need to know that God is number one in their life. <laughs> I don't know, Dad. I'm a little bit sick. I'm feeling, I don't know. I don't think I should go to church tonight. Oh, you're sick. Oh, yeah, Dad, I'm sick. Oh, baby, I feel so bad for you. Yeah, Dad, I don't think, I think I need to stay home. Really? Yeah. I think what you need to do is go to church and get prayed for. And if you're still feeling sick, you can go to the altar and sit on the couch. But you better get your hind end up in your room and get dressed. Because we're going to church because it's altar building time. My kids heard that. And I learned it from my father who learned it from his mother. And I'm thanking God today that I'm here today because of an altar that I built. Was I always perfect? No. But when imperfect time came and I came to myself, I knew a place where I built an altar that I could run to and know that there I would meet God once again. Come on. We need to have some times building an altar. You can't have an altar experience while you're playing at the lake, while you're playing out in the mountains, while you're playing at the beach, while you're doing these things. You need to have time. You need to set aside to build an altar. Okay. Right over here this morning. Get my head together in my office. I'm a pretty laid back guy. My wife says different, but that's okay. Older I get, the easier going that I get. But there's one thing that I cannot stand, and that's a bully. I can't watch somebody pick Before somebody says anything, smart Alec, yes, I have bullied people. I hated myself for it. And I feel this morning, this is what the Lord laid on my heart, is that there are people here today that the enemy is bullying you. And other people's enemies, spirits that they're dealing with, is also bullying you to do things that you don't want to really do, but you feel like you have to. 
Ain't nothing more pathetic than peer pressure between adults. Grow up. Get some tie shoes instead of your Velcro shoes and grow up. Stand up for what is right. But spiritually here today, some of y'all are being bullied. We were shouting and dancing and going off the walls last week, but I'm sitting here today and I'm having to fight through your spirits this morning to get this to your head. You better listen to me. I'm telling you, the Lord laid this on my heart about altars. That some of us need to get to an altar and build an altar for ourselves. We need to go back to our altar and begin to repair what we broke. Something's about to come that needs and is demanding for us to have an altar experience again to go back to where we once found God and repair what we had and make it right and stop trying to skate your way into heaven. That's all right. It ain't going to change this morning what I'm about to preach. I'm telling you, you better rec readily recognize this morning your need for an altar. I need God. You need God. We all need God. We don't find him at a bonfire. We don't find him at a birthday party. We don't find him on sipping on wine and beer and doing these kind of things that the world does. Well, pastor, show me in scripture. Some things don't need to be shown. When I came out of the world, I came out of the world. Oh, I'm meddling this morning. That's fine. I want to have an altar experience that changes me. If you're the same person that you were before you came to Christ, you've never had a real altar experience. The altar's more than just speaking in tongues. The altar will change you forevermore. It'll change your lifestyle. So I don't do the things that I used to do. It doesn't take, well, show me, it just takes common sense that if the world says it's appropriate, then it ain't appropriate for me. I don't want to go back to what I had when I met God at an altar. That was enough for me to change. I'm not going to let culture drag me down. To live in its level of immaturity. God brings out the best of me. Develops me. And helps me to mature. If you're not maturing as a Christian, it's because you have left your altar. An unattended altar will get trampled on. Time will cause it to begin to fall. As the earth underneath it begins to shake and move, an unattended altar will have a stone fall or crumble or break or do whatever it might. Roots and weeds begin to grow in it because it's unattended. But a well-attended altar with fires burning hot and flamed by prayer and fasting will cause an altar to never lose its state of reality. 
it'll cause it to become stronger. It'll be cause it to become stronger. It'll cause the things that would try to tear it apart to go away because I'm plucking the stuff out of my heart that should not be there. I'm here to tell you today, church, we need to meet God and we can only meet Him at an altar. It's hard. Pretty transparent. It's hard to get some folks to come to an altar. It's hard for them. Even though we should be doing it daily, it's hard for them on Sundays to come to an altar. Why is it that it's so hard to come together to avoid an altar? We know that in our efforts to live, we do everything that we can to avoid death. So we don't want to come to an altar. Talking to Brother Roe today about their vacation. They were talking to me about roller coasters. Did you ever ride that roller coaster? Nope. Why not? Well, it wasn't the answer I gave him, but truthfully, Brother Roe, the answer was I want to avoid death as much as possible. As long as these big old extra wide feet are on the ground and not on somebody's metal rail going 60 mile an hour doing loops, I feel like my chances of living have bumped up a little bit. <laughs> Why don't you skydive? Because I want to live. Why don't I come to an altar? Because I want to live. I want to live my life the way that I say life should be lived. And I feel like as long as I can keep my two feet planted down right here, I'll be just all right. Till that trumpet sounds. And then you'll be scrambling. Where, where, where'd my altar go? We need an altar. Anybody remember medicine? Some of us, us more seasoned people. I don't say old. It's most more seasoned people. Do you remember how bad medicine used to taste? That stuff that mom would get us from the grocery, from the grocery store, the, the pharmacy, it was thick like tar. It tasted like death. <laughs> you hated getting sick because you knew she was going to reach for that bottle. It tasted horrible. <laughs> I would avoid everything about taking medicine even though I knew it would be beneficial for me because I did not like the taste. And then somebody got the bright idea of uh, hiding the taste with bubblegum flavor or grape flavor. It tasted so good you'd be like, Mom, 
we became very willing then to take what we used to avoid. The problem with the altar is there's no way to sugarcoat the altar. There's no way to make the altar more attractive. We avoid altars because it pushes our own agenda aside and really we avoid altars because they're ugly. Ornate or architecturally pleasing as we've tried to craft them and do all kind of things. The bottom line is an altar is still a place of pain and death. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word for altar literally meant to slay or to slaughter. The New Testament word means a place to or a place of sacrifice. The truth of the matter is, the altar was a bloody, painful scene. Let me give you, paint you a little picture. I'm sorry if you're a little queasy, but stick with me. The priest was instructed to slit the throat of the animal and then to catch its blood. Then they had to take the blood and they would sprinkle it on the sides of the altar with the blood and then pour the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. The priest, by duty, sacrificed almost 1,300 animals a year. It was not a job for the queasy. It was not a job for the weak stomach. It was a gory, daily task. Cain brings a bloodless sacrifice offering to God and is rejected. And not only was the sacrifice bloodless, but it had already been cursed by God. Therefore, Cain added insult to injury. Cain may have thought it to be far more refined and cultured to bring fresh fruit and vegetables rather than a bloody animal offering, but no. You can't flavor the altar to make it taste better. No sugarcoating it. The truth is there's nothing pretty or pleasant about the altar experience except for God meets men at an altar. Those of you that study the tabernacle, the very first thing you came to was the stench and the ugliness of the altar. But you could not get into the spirit of God until you first went through the altar. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll go through whatever I have to go to if it means I get to God. Amen. If God will meet me there at an altar, let's get there. I'm talking about a God that's full of blessings. He never runs dry. It's joy, the Bible, unspeakable and full of glory. He can wipe away my tears and my fears. He's full of healing and blessing. I don't care what ugliness I've got to get to if I can get to God. He understood that for order for us to have life, we must taste death. Well, this is not a sermon for everybody. But I'm going to preach it to you today because what we're about to face, we're going to need it. You better find your altar. Boy, this would be a good time for a pastor to, to have the guts to start calling some things like it is. 
We've got to stop waltzing in and act like everything's just okay. I told you a couple weeks ago, it'd be nice if somebody would actually answer you truthfully when they said, how you doing today? Back hurts. My blood sugar's up. My marriage is struggling. I got cancer. I don't know if I can make it. My spiritual walk is a mess. I'm addicted to porn. But no, what do we do? Sugar-coated. Everything's good. The truth of the matter is if we could ever see some folks spiritually the way they really are, they're hunched over, pain, carrying the burden. That's who I'm talking to today. I'm talking to some of y'all that you know for a fact that you're not living where you should be living. You've tasted of the altar. You've seen and met God there. But you did not like to smell the death. So you walked. We avoid the altar because it requires time. It requires for us to turn the TV off. Put them stupid phones away. And actually spend time with God. Altars require preparation, require adjustment to schedules. Altars require pausing life. I'm just so busy, I ain't got time to pray. You better put some things aside. The worst that we deal with is the fact that altars required inward examination. That's the hardest one. Because nobody knows you like you. Your deepest, darkest issues, your problems, your struggles. And you know if you go to an altar, it'll be there that God begins to shine the light on the things that need to die. And I don't want to go there. Because how I, how I deal with those issues is I push them down. And I cover them up with things. Hide them with my drug addiction, my alcoholism, my social drinking. I hide it with the, the darkness of the pornography. I hide it with, with gossip. And I, I just ignore them. That's the worst one. And if I go to an altar, God's going to say, well, let's deal with this. I go to an altar, God's going to go, you know, you, you don't need to be carrying that anymore. Let's, let's lay that here and let's burn it up. Right. You can't sanitize an altar. Let's get, the, let's get the hand sanitizer out and let's squirt it around. Let's clean it up because I, I don't want to have to deal with all that mess. No, what you'll do is you'll deal with the mess by calling up pastor and saying, hey, I got a problem, fix it. I'm not a mechanic, nor am I a doctor. I'm just a man making it. My first thing is going to do to tell you what the scripture does. Where's your altar? Your altar is not your five minutes that you come down here and stand in the middle of the aisle and stay away from the fire. 
because it's a whole lot hotter. Well, you church folks know what I'm talking about. So we hug the walls. We stay in the aisles. Because I don't want to get down there in that splash zone. Because the chances of somebody praying for me when I'm there, as if I'm here, my chances are a whole lot better than they are right here. And if I stay back there, I got an escape clause. <laughs> or if I stay over there, I can get out real fast. If I see somebody eyeballing me, getting ready to pray. You laugh, I make it funny, but it's the truth. We call for an altar call. Some of us don't even want to come up front because we don't need it. It's not necessary. Dead man walking. Just a dead man walking. Walk that green mile. You're the one I'm talking to this morning. Your altar has become unnecessary because you got all of the questions answered. You've got all the issues taken care of. You don't want to pause or adjust or examine. You just want to live. The altar experience is one of pain. We don't want no blood, no sweat, no agony, no work. So we'll come down. We'll throw our little, you know, time in. Look up every once in a while, make sure somebody saw me. We'll come down and we'll, we'll pray a little bit of the pain away, crying some tears, and act like everything's okay. The truth of the matter is, there's a neglected altar here, and that's horrible. But worse than that is there's a neglected God. I say, can't you spend just a little bit more time with me? Can't you just huddle in here just a little bit closer? Can't you just let me just hold you here? Can't we just try to mend these brokenness? We, we want to paint Jesus looking upward with a halo, tempting, looking like he's attending some holy picnic. Make no mistake about it. Hand the painter a pink slip because it was a bloody scene, battlefield, strenuous time. We want clean, short, stop, convenient altars, which truth of the matter is are all foreign to Jesus. Our avoidance, I feel the Lord in this place. Our avoidance of altars has caused us to become a Saul generation. I don't need anybody but Sister Kim right now, please. It's caused us to become a Saul generation. What do you mean? We love worship more than we love the word. We come from the beat, for the beat and the music. We don't want to come and react to the word. What do you mean by that? I mean, we cannot afford to become a church that worships more with the music than we do with the word. Amen. 
I've come to the altar at song time and I did my little dance and jig and everything's cool. No, it's not. Let's take the music out 100% then because nothing's more important than what's about to take place at an altar. Nothing matters more than meeting Jesus and we meet him not in the music, we meet him at an altar. God's word drives out the demons. Music may soothe our demons, but the word drives them out. Y'all don't grab that. David, come in here and play your harp and soothe my spirit. But the word drives them out. Get thee behind me, Satan, and he must. Come on. We've become so comfortable with the monkey in our back. We want to come to church and the soul generation says, just calm it down a little bit, can you? But don't let the word drive it out. Jesus never calmed the spirits. He drove them out. We can't become a generation that falls in love with the music. And that's as far as we want to go. We need to become a generation right now that falls in love with the altar. I'm, leave, I'm done. When we don't come to an altar, we become like the culture around us. You come to church and you say, well, it's a culture thing. I do these things because it's a culture thing. This is the way that my family is. This is the way that my friends are. This is just the way everything is. And it's a culture thing for me to do this stuff. No, it's not. It's a fleshly thing. When I gave my life to God, my culture became that of Scripture. Am I prodding too much today? Am I pushing too much today? Some of y'all can't get with it because I'm stepping on toes. It's the truth. Well, I only do that because that's my culture. Listen, that word right there is cancer, a, a, a cancel culture. And it changes. How do you, what do you mean? That means the old man that followed that culture, when you came to God, it died. The culture died with it. I'm so sick and tired of people giving the thing that it's just the way that my life is. No, it's not. My life is about God. My life is about my altar. My life is about meeting God. And he meets me at an altar. What's culture ever got you anyways? Divorced? Entertainment choices are a mess? Still addicted to the pornography? Can't lay down the bottle? You can't make a friend unless you have to act like an absolute immature imbecile? Paul's clear that we have to have a place of death. He's clear that 
It's only at an altar that we fight off the tendency to become more like culture than our king. It's only at an altar that we die to the deception of this world. It's only at the altar that we are inoculated against the invasion of culture. The altar always brings us back. Abraham leaves Egypt and it hits him on his way. I've got to get back to that altar. I've got to find that place. And so he struggled. He went and he fell on his face. If there was ever a time, God, that I need you. I gotta lay on this altar. I long to see you. Bring me back to you. Oh God, move in this house. We can become so busy in life, so entangled with self. Completely just say the altar is put aside. I'm pleading with you today. I'm talking to some of y'all in the cheap seats in the back. I'm talking to some of you all sitting in the middle. I'm spitting all over the ones in the front. God meets me at an altar. my altar I've never met a ministry that's been found on a golf course or on a fishing boat or in a tree stand or at a shoe sale ministries are birthed at altars never found a miracle somebody's body and mind laid up couch somewhere found them they were found at an altar help us God 